Welcome back to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the entrepreneurs and innovators who are transforming health. I'm Logan Plaster. In January 2024, Startup Health launched an important new initiative called the Alzheimer's Moonshot with the support of the Alzheimer's Drug Discovery Foundation and Gates Ventures. The purpose of the Alzheimer's Moonshot is to unite a collaborative community of the best founders, funders, academics, patient advocates, and industry executives around the singular goal of accelerating progress in Alzheimer's innovation. This moonshot builds on the success of our type 1 diabetes moonshot, which was launched last year with the support of the Helmsley Charitable Trust. As a quick side plug before we get into this episode, if you are a startup founder, a researcher, or a funder who's passionate about Alzheimer's disease, we want to hear from you. Learn more at startuphealth.com slash ALZ. Back to the show. One of the first steps in forming a successful health moonshot community is to find a person, a leader who is passionate and knowledgeable enough to unite an impact board of diverse individuals and drive progress forward. For our Alzheimer's Moonshot, we tapped Phyllis Farrell for this role of Chief Impact Officer. I wanted to use this episode of the podcast to introduce you to Phyllis and hear where she hopes to take Startup Health's Alzheimer's Moonshot in the coming months and years. Phyllis Farrell worked at the pharmaceutical company Lilly for 30 years. The last nearly 15 years, she led late-stage diagnostic development for Alzheimer's disease. But that shift turned from a professional pivot into a personal passion when she got news about her own father's health. The really interesting part of this story is that about six months after I was asked to take on that role, my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Wow. So I spent the second half of my career at Lilly really fighting both a personal and a professional journey. Alzheimer's disease is devastating, and it's hard to hear a story about it in the media that isn't tragedy upon tragedy, with good reason. But speaking with Phyllis Farrell about it, as you'll hear, is a breath of fresh air. She's seen the science and has been at the center of the Alzheimer's conversation for years, as she has a message of hope. Together, we can change the trajectory of this disease. I didn't make it in time for my daddy. Uh, we lost him in 2017. Uh, I promised him we wouldn't give up, but I'll tell you what, we're gonna make it for somebody else's daddy and we're sure as heck gonna make it for my kids. It's that kind of determination and tenacity that we're gonna need in the Alzheimer's Moonshot to break out of old siloed thinking and into a world of broad collaboration and rapid innovation. But enough preamble, let's get into my full conversation with Phyllis Farrell, the Chief Impact Officer for Startup Health's Alzheimer's Moonshot. Phyllis Farrell, thank you so much for joining me today on this recording of uh, Startup Health Now. Hi, Logan. Thanks for having me. It is wonderful to see you. Uh, we are here to talk about your exciting role as a Chief Impact Officer of Startup Health's Alzheimer's Moonshot. And we're going to get into all of that. Um, but I want to start by just understanding you a little bit, uh, you know, doing a little research on you and just even looking at your LinkedIn, I just see this interesting professional pathway, particularly at Eli Lilly, and spent a number of years there. How long were you there? I was there for almost three decades. There you go. So that's what I saw. But I was like, there's a story here because you had different <laughs> roles there. So talk to me about how that started. Just sort of uh, start at the beginning there. Sure. Well, I started with Lilly uh, pretty much right out of my undergraduate degree at DePaul University. 
And the first half of my career at Lilly was really on the commercial side. So think finance, sales, marketing, business development. I took a short sabbatical to get a master's degree in business. Um, but really, I was mostly looking at um, getting new drugs launched and making sure that whatever we were doing was going to meet the needs of patients. But uh, almost 15 years ago, uh, the company tapped me and asked me to come take a responsibility for leading our late stage drug development and diagnostic development for Alzheimer's disease, hmm. uh, which were both therapeutics and imaging agents at the time. And it was a real change in my career, a pivot from kind of commercial and marketing and selling to really thinking about how we were going to get these drugs through the uh, the development pathway, so the sure. studies, the late stage development, then through the regulatory pathway, and then ultimately to launch. But the really interesting part of this story is that about six months after um, I was asked to take on that role, my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Wow. So I spent the second half of my career at Lilly really fighting both a personal and a professional journey. How did that shape your, your your perspective on the disease and just your perspective on your day job? Oh, I think, you know, it meant the job was not a job. Mm. <laughs> you know, you got up every day knowing that the fight was uh, for your own family. Mm. But I think what really it shaped for me and one of the reasons why I'm so ex excited about the Startup Health Moonshot is that there were so many things broken around the science. So I recall, you know, someone coming and telling me, you know, Phyllis, Phyllis, we enrolled a study as fast as it's ever been enrolled. And I said, really, tell me more. And they said, you know, we found a thousand patients in the U.S. in just 18 months. And I had a commercial background and I was scratching my head going, it took us 18 months to find a thousand people with Alzheimer's disease in the United no. States. And as I started peeling back the onion, what I realized is, that was the canary in the coal mine. Uh, we were really sitting on top of a very broken healthcare system where people with Alzheimer's disease were in hiding. Um, they weren't talking to their doctors. They, they weren't getting diagnosed in a timely or an accurate way. And as a result, they weren't ever being offered a clinical trial. But then, of course, with a commercial background, my light bulb went on and said, gosh, what's going to happen when we actually are successful in the science, which we're starting to be right now, and the people who really need these drugs aren't going to be able to get them mm. because the whole ecosystem wasn't working. In fact, you know, Logan, I, I was going to ask you if you wanted me to do a kind of a background for uh, for today, a startup health background, and because you can say I'm in my kitchen. Yeah, my, yeah, tell me. My one employee over there is quite lazy. Uh -huh. uh, but the reason I think it was important to do this for my kitchen is this is what Alzheimer's disease is today. Mm. Even in the United States of America, the standard of care for Alzheimer's disease is an unpaid family caregiver. Mm. This is where Alzheimer's is. It's in our kitchens. It's in our dining rooms. It's in our family conversations. It might be in our churches and our Bible studies, but it's not in our healthcare systems. Mm. It's not in a place where all the ecosystem that can actually help support families can get turned on. And that's the reason I think the moonshot's so exciting because we're at a time now where we really need to be doing better. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's so fascinating about your story to me is that you're coming from this um, institutional understanding of of bringing drugs to market. And now you are 
liaising with a, a community of, of startups and dealing with founders, small, you know, early stage, have an idea. And so you have a sense of what was missing at really this global level. What do you see as something that's really essential and important about working with startups, about people sort of at that in those early stages of innovation? Yeah, I think uh, startup is hard. Um, but I'm here to tell you drug development's hard too. So it doesn't scare me away. Uh, what I love about startups and founders and the, whether those are coming from academia or so many of our founders are coming because they had an idea of what their own family needed is that's what that's what the startup community is. They see a need, they see an opportunity, they say, I've got an idea, I know where we can do better. And they jump in, they jump in with both feet. And they don't have all this resource behind them the way, say, I did when I was working at a big pharmaceutical company. So the way I looked at it is, okay, we're now successful with these first therapies coming out of the regulatory process. We need to go make sure that all these startups, all this ecosystem around these therapeutics are available too. And that could be startups that support caregivers and families. It could be startups that help support uh, care workers uh, or B2B in a health setting situation. It could be new diagnostics, new therapeutics. So I, I just, for me, it's really exciting to be around people who said, I have an idea. I'm willing to jump in. I'm going to be a part of this battle. And, it, and that's really what it's going to take, Logan. There's not one sector that can do this by themselves. It is the breadth of that innovation something that's important to you? It's easy to sort of focus your attention on diagnostics or a cure or whatever it may be. But it's a it's a whole sort of, um, yeah, it's a, it's a whole life that you're trying to address. So So why is the breadth of innovation important? Well, it's one of the reasons that I decided to make the change um, and leave, obviously, a, a very successful and long career in pharmaceuticals is that, you know, whether it be at Lilly or ASI or Biogen or any big pharmaceutical company, they'll all agree the drug is not the silver bullet. Mm. Uh, yes, the drug is exactly what we need. And it causes a lot of sense of urgency. And certainly the success we've had in the science so far makes people want to jump in and change. I mean, we're at this point, Logan, in this innovation cycle where we're at an inflection point that's really exciting. But even the pharmaceutical companies will tell you they can't do it alone, mm. that there has to be an ecosystem around these therapeutics. You see it in diabetes. You see it in oncology. You can see it in other therapeutics, therapeutic areas. But we haven't had it in Alzheimer's disease. Right. People have been sitting alone, undiagnosed, right. hiding you know, losing their social networks. In a lot of cases, family caregivers having to quit jobs to stay home and care for loved ones. And we can do better than this. Um, yes. Is this a neuropathological disease that's real? Absolutely. This is not a normal course of aging. And it's time really to break out of that because we're at a point where we can do better and we should. And so I think that breath is actually the only thing that's going to make it successful. So what I'm hearing from you is you you've got a message of hope for folks who have have been told for for decades that there's really nothing that you can do. When you say we're at this exciting inflection point, what do you mean practically speaking? Like what is your message to folks about what's coming down the pike? Right. So I, as I mentioned, I've been doing uh drug development and research for uh the better half of my second half of my career at Lilly. And you know, if you looked in the lay press, all you heard was failure, failure, another drug, failure. But what people don't realize is negative studies to scientists are not failures. The only failure is when you don't learn. Mm. 
And so these scientists were building on each one of those negative studies and um, increasing just exponentially our understanding of the underlying pathology and biology of this disease. What does that mean? It means now that we know how to target some of the underlying pathology, not all of it, but we've got some first um, hits in a game that never at one anyone had gotten on base before. And in addition to that, we know how to study the drugs. We know, Logan, this is interesting, the pathology in the brain, we used to not be able to see it until someone had passed away. We now know that pathology starts 10 to 20 years before symptoms. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? We've been having a really late stage uh, mindset of this disease when we needed to go earlier. And we know that now, right? We know that these therapies are going to work better the earlier they are used, which by the way, makes logical sense, right? If you're losing synapses and neurons, the faster you engage, the better. Who wants a stage four cancer diagnosis if you could get a stage one cancer diagnosis, right? I mean, it's logical, but that's not the way we've been working this disease. We've had this very late mindset. So when I think of the inflection point, the science is coming, the biology is moving. The fact now that we have successes means we have investment coming in. People who are kind of gun shy and holding back are now jumping in. And we've learned so much over the last decade that now we now we at least have some of the first steps. Is it the end? Heavens no, but gosh, it's the beginning of the end. And that's a really exciting thing for someone like me who's had this disease impact my own family. You bring up a really interesting point with the your comment about sharing negative studies. And all too often, those don't see the light of day in a, in a productive way. You know, sometimes negative studies do get buried. And so it brings up this issue of, of collaboration, of sharing information, which gets me thinking about the Alzheimer's moonshot and how we're trying to use it to create a, um, you know, a platform for a new kind of collaboration, higher level of collaboration. So talk to me about why the sharing of data, the sharing of information is important in Alzheimer's in particular. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's not just the sharing the data, the studies, but it's sharing what you learned about doing the clinical research. It's sharing what you learned about what are physicians' um, behaviors and, and insights and, and why are they reticent to diagnose? So when you talk about putting together a community of champions, right, that's what the moonshot is going to be. It's going to be people who raise their hand and say, I want to participate in something that's bigger than myself, that's bigger than my asset or my company. I want to be part of this moonshot of champions. Well, they're going to be sharing all of those things, um, you know, their own, maybe their own data, but, but more importantly, their own learnings about how do you transform a healthcare system that's really dated? I mean, Logan, if you, if your grandparent got diagnosed today with Alzheimer's disease or your mom, they would be treated the exact same way that my great grandparents were. Now, heaven forbid, shame on us that we can't fix that. So now we've got a collective group of people in this moonshot that are sharing with each other how that change is happening, what they're learning as they're interfacing. And I think we're going to actually see some organic collaboration come between those moonshot champions. So I'm really excited to increase the number of people that decide to raise their hand, take the pledge and say they want to be part of this because that's really how we're going to make a big difference in this disease. I know we're just in the early days of an, even announcing this Alzheimer's moonshot through Startup Health. Uh, have you received any sort of feedback from folks that you've worked with or sort of a sense of the uh, interest, excitement around this collaborative effort? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been in this community now for 15 years. And the thing about the Alzheimer's community, it's really tight knit. You know, the fact that we haven't had drug launches means we had a whole lot of people that were really taking care of each other through some emotional ups and downs. And that's everything from the academics and the scientists and the key opinion leaders to the advocacy groups and those that were operationally running the studies. So each of those individuals knows that not one of these sectors can do it alone. So when they saw the moonshot, oh, just tons of inbounds. How can I help? How can I be involved? What can we do? This is great. We've needed this for a long time. And that's really validating and reinforcing. I know we have a hard road ahead of us, but I do know it makes it a lot easier if you're not doing it alone. Talk to me about the caregiver side of this. Uh, obviously, when you're talking about a cure and a diagnosis, you're talking about you know really hyper focusing on the patient, and yet you've you've mentioned that Alzheimer's lives in the home with the caregiver and the and the uh, the relative, whoever it is. Um, what excites you about innovation that could really uplift the caregiver? Yeah, we often say that in Alzheimer's disease, you don't just have a patient, it affects the whole family. And I know this from my own situation where um, when my father was diagnosed, the doctor told us, hey, Phyllis, you now have two patients. Uh, and he was right because caring for my dad really took a toll on my mom's health. And we made a big mistake of not getting care and help for her faster in the home than we did. Um it's something I regret. And it's the first thing I tell people when a friend of mine or a, a colleague has this happen in their lives. And so what I think I'm excited about this for families is they don't have to do it alone anymore. Um, they they can talk about this disease. They it, It's not a stigma to say, you know, I have Alzheimer's disease. Let's get that fixed. Let's make sure we have resources around families. Uh, we can do that today. We could have done that without the disease-modifying therapies being available, Logan. Shame on us that we didn't mm -hmm. do it sooner. But now that we have these therapies and people are willing to talk about it, I'm excited about that. I'm especially excited for women. And I'll tell you why. This disease disproportionately impacts women. It disproportionately impacts women as patients, both because we live longer, but also for some other reasons that we haven't completely understood yet. Um, caregivers are four to one more likely to be a woman. And paid caregivers, when we think of like CNAs that are angels on earth, they're more likely to be women. And I know myself, I happen to have a family where my sister was able to quit her job to help my mom take care of my dad. How much of a blessing is that? Most families don't have that ability to do that. And yet that's what we see. We see women dropping out of the workforce um, because they're honored to take care of their family members. But that shouldn't be the way things have to be. So I'm excited for caregivers to have more support. I'm excited for families to be able to talk about this disease. I'm excited for neighbors and communities to say, I know how to help now. I've always wanted to help, but I didn't know how. And now we're going to give them a way to help because this is a progressive disease. People will get worse, even if they take one of these disease-modifying therapies. We're hoping to slow the course of the disease, but it won't stop it. So we need the moonshot need to make sure that we're handling the whole gamut of this disease, everywhere from those early symptomatic phases to the later phases where it does really become difficult on the caregiver. I really love that side of the moonshot approach that there are just innovators at every part of the spectrum of a disease. Um, and you may need, you know, mental health services for a family member. It's just all part of the same 
of life. You know, it's all part of the same uh, spectrum of concern. Let's talk a little bit about the the moonshot is uh, supported by a couple of health moonshot champions. We call them uh, ADDF and Gates Ventures. What does it mean just for the energy of an operation like this to have those two particular uh, supporters? Yeah, well, we were thrilled when Gates Ventures and the Alzheimer's Drug Discovery Foundation decided to come in and and really catalyze this. I have to tell you, though, I wasn't surprised. Uh, These two organizations have been funding Alzheimer's research even before it was sexy to do so. Um, We do have a handful of family foundations, not-for-profits, and in the case of some big pharma companies, some for-profits who have been funding this research for a very, very long time. I think Lily has been funding this research for like 35 years uh, without a drug launch, but specifically to Gates Ventures and ADDF, they've been willing to take on those places that others weren't willing to invest. Uh, That could be data sharing. That could be helping a therapeutic get through that valley of death, you know, before it has proof of concept. Um, And they launched what was called the Diagnostics Accelerator together with several other high net worth individuals. And basically, this is a philanthropic venture capital fund that allows us to invest in the diagnostics that are critical to making sure that the right patients get diagnosed in a timely and accurate way. So when they came forward and raised their hands and said, we'll be the first two champions, I was thrilled, but I can't tell you I was surprised. We see them do this a lot in our community. Very nice. Uh, if this video or podcast was used as a call for innovation for you know future founders and entrepreneurs, is there is there a particular uh, <laughs> innovation that you're looking for or a type of company that you would love to be presented to you or type of founder even? You know, because I know that we have so much work to do across the entire spectrum of this disease, I couldn't tell you that there was like a single innovation we were looking for. I I wish there was. I mean, if I could say there's one innovation and if we got that, this whole thing would be fixed, then we wouldn't really need the moonshot. Um, But, you know, in terms of what kind of culture, what kind of founder, what kind of company we want. I want one that's going to roll up their sleeves and say, I want to be part of something bigger. I want to come in and say that I'm going to share, collaborate, um, help pick up other founders. This is a a hard and emotional thing to do, right? So um, how do you pick each other up? How do you keep each other going? Um, Healthcare transformation is probably... Um, one of the hardest experiences I've ever been through. So that's what I'd be really looking for. A founder that says, I'm not just coming in for me. I'm coming in because we have patients that we can do a heck of a better job serving. And I want to do it around other people who have a similar mindset and and are willing to collaborate. I love that. That's that moonshot mindset that we talk about. I've seen it at work in our type 1 diabetes moonshot, where folks came in thinking that they were a single startup, a single team, and realizing that they were part of this much, much bigger mission. When they were having a down, an up day, somebody was having a down day, they could pick them up and they could share what, what that person needed to hear in that moment in order that we could all rise together. So I the love Alzheimer's that. The Alzheimer's scientific community has been like that for a long time. 
I mean, I'm here to tell you, if you go to one of these scientific conferences, you're going to see people that aren't just colleagues, they're friends. And um, they've had to pick each other up because being on the Alzheimer's science side has been an emotional roller coaster. But now we need to take that out of just the scientific community and take it into the founder and startup community as well. And, And I know it can be done because I've met some of these founders and they're just amazing people. And I'm really excited to get them all together. Maybe this sounds too simplistic, but like at a very high level, what I'm hearing from you is just a sense of optimism about what's possible in an area of medicine that has been very uh, frustrated and devastating for families. It's been nothing but a challenge. And what I hear is like there's a, a, a message of hope. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's a better time to be coming into this field mm. now. Do you have to have thick skin? Do you have to be resilient? Do you have to be willing to kind of roll up your sleeves and get in the trenches and 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 work through some tough details? Absolutely. But there's never been a better time to be part of an Alzheimer's moonshot, an Alzheimer's, an Alzheimer's research or startup community than right now, because we're at the beginning of something really, really fun and special. I love that. Okay, last question. What are you looking yeah. forward to most in 2024? Oh, gosh. I'm looking forward to some uptake in these therapeutics because I think what it's going to do is it's going to drive healthcare systems, providers, practitioners, families um, to realize that there is something there for them. And I think that in turn is going to fall right back to the funding uh, for these startups. What's interesting, though, about that is it's actually a bit of a circular reference because I think a lot of what these founders are going to do is they are actually going to create that energy and that urgency and catalyze that change. So I really think 2024 is going to be a year that when we exit in December, this world's going to look a lot different for Alzheimer's patients than it did in December of 2023. And, um, and that's something that's really exciting for me. I didn't make it in time for my daddy. Uh, we lost him in 2017. Uh, I promised him we wouldn't give up, but I'll tell you what, we're going to make it for somebody else's daddy and we're sure as heck going to make it for my kids. It's beautiful, Phyllis. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time with me. I'm so excited that you're the chief impact officer of this (laughs) Alzheimer's moonshot and we'll be getting to work together uh, through uh, this process. But um, thank you for pushing, using your, your decades of experience in this way and, and really reinventing the next phase Um, so thank you. Thank you, Logan. Let's get the word out. We got a lot of work to do. Awesome. All right. You take care. Be well. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back again with another episode next week. 